my message is dying to live. And um, yeah, I don't know how I wound up doing this. I don't consider myself very young, but um, <laughs> Elder Sam and uh, Elder Dadio could have uh, done this as well. Uh, I think that it was a blessing, though. Uh, and I hate that Pastor Taylor isn't here to witness this. So that means I could do whatever I want, right? <laughs> like sit down. No. Um, but it is a blessing to be before you. I, I, I think it's a privilege and an honor that Pastor Taylor would even ask me to come up and speak on Easter Sunday. So many pastors, you know, guard their Easter Sunday like, you know, it's, it's very important to them. But I, I think it was very uh, honorable and um, showed great humility that he would offer his Easter Sunday for the young adults to do uh, the service. So I'm greatly appreciative of that. Turn with me quickly to Galatians 2.20. Uh, again, the message is dying to live. And Galatians 2.20 reads, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I want to focus on I am crucified with Christ. Uh, we understand that human, the human experience is a pilgrimage. It's a journey, a process. It is not stagnant. We are not in one place, um, but we are continuously moving and growing. Uh, we assume that the beginning point is life and that the end point of this journey is death. Uh, but for the Christian world, that is not so. We should see that our beginning actually commences at our death, um, uh, at our physical death, but also a dying to yourself. In the Bible, we believe and understand that people of faith are not journeying from life to death, but we are moving from death to life. Uh, the Christian life begins at death. We must understand that death, uh, we must understand death before we can truly live. Our life is dependent upon our death. And so, when looking at that, we want to look at what is death? What is this thing called death? And I know that conjures up images of funerals and graves and cemeteries, uh, burials, uh, feelings of sadness and grief and fear. Uh, in this country, that also means that there are memorials set up for people who have died for us, for people who have died uh, in the military. We set up memorials for death, for people about death. Death is defined as the act of dying, the end of life, the total and permanent succession of all vital functions or of an organism. But biblical death is simply the separation, being separated from God. If you are separated from God in any way, you're dead. You cannot experience true life as God meant for us to experience it if you're not uh, with God. So if you're separated from God, you are experiencing death. And some of you, is, that's like a dichotomy, like, you know, well, I'm alive but I'm separated from God. Well, you're not experiencing true life. And so we'll talk about that a little later. And what is life? Life is being manifested by growth, uh, reproduction, power. You, or you're able to adapt to your envir environment and changes um, internally. So that's the, uh, the uh, Webster's definition of death. But biblical, de biblical life, I'm sorry, that's the Webster's definition of life. But biblical life it's just being with God, simple being with God. Death has been separated from God. Life is being with God. So have that in your mind when we go forward from this because 
it's going to be important that you understand death. Because in death, there is life. In death, there is life. In the spiritual realm, in death, there is life. And so I want to want you to think about when, with death is being separated from God, what are some things in your life that separate you from God? What are some things in your life that separate you from God? Now, don't raise your hand and tell me because I'm not, this is not what this service is about. But think about, <laughs> we have a big uh, counseling session here. Uh, but what are some things that separate you from God? What are some attitudes, some desires, some feelings? What are those things that separate you from God? Your, some behaviors? We all have them. I have them. Um, and I'll be, I'll be honest with you, I do have them. <laughs> and we all do. But what are those things that separate you from God? And think about how, how are they going to die? Because that's what will happen, what, that's what will have to happen if you're going to experience true life. That those things that separate you from God will have to die. That death, those things may be desires, power, control, obsessive needs, um, materialism, prejudices, um, addictions. We talked, we looked at the movie on Friday and it talked about, um, he had an addiction and he said that addiction, either you will, either he will have to destroy the addiction or the addiction will destroy him. And that is so true. That was so powerful when he said that in the movie. Uh, I think his father or someone said that to the guy, but you will have to destroy that addiction or that addiction will destroy you. Um, self-centeredness, being self-serving, relationships, uh, the flesh. It's something that gets in the way of our separation between God. Um, our sin, and I won't go into all of them. There's so many, and I'm, I'm not able to name them all. Um, but sin, our body separates us sometimes. Our self-esteem, depression, fear, self-defeating attitudes, attitudes in general separates us from God. And we all can, uh, we all can say we have those. Let's look at Romans chapter 10, verses 1 and 3. He reads, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for, of Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, having not, have not, having not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. And so, Again, this, this looks at self. So they, they themselves uh, was going about this thinking they, they could uh, create righteousness. They were going about this thinking, well, I was doing the right thing, but they had a knowledge of God, but not really an experience with God. And they hadn't submitted themselves to God and unto his righteousness and taken part and taken hold of his righteousness. And the only way we can do that is to identify with Christ and him being crucified. The only way that I can identify with his righteousness, is to identify with his death. And in that death, all these things that I listed before have to die. Materialism, my selfish ways, my self-esteem, my, my attitude, uh, what I want in life, those things will have to die. And I have to be looking at what God wants in my life and what he wants to do for me in my life. I, I can't live my life thinking it's my own. Pastor Taylor mentioned last week in his message, uh, the, the first thing in his series is that your life is not your own outside of Christ. Your life is not your own. 
So, so many times we get into, and I'm, I'm guilty of that. Well, I want to do my own thing. I have, I, I have uh, these goals and desires that I want. I want to go here. I want to do this. Uh, but that's uh, so totally opposite of what God wants. Uh, because God wants you to want what he wants. And so my desires should be of God. I want what God wants. I have no desires of my own. And just like in the uh, play, uh, when they were, when she breathed life into her, he, she was moving with God. Whatever God directed her to do, that's what she did. And that's how, that's how, we, that's how it should be. Whatever, whatever direction God sends us in, we should go that way. Unfortunately, because of our selfish ways, we don't always do that. I myself included, uh, because of guilt and shame and our self-centeredness, we don't always do and uh, and be what God wants us to do and be. And so we fall short and sometimes are separated because of our own things that won't die in our lives. We have a responsibility to put things to death so that we can really discover life. The righteousness of God is made available to us through the blood of Jesus Christ. It took death in the spilling of the blood, and our righteousness is dependent on our participation in that death. If I don't identify with the death of Christ, I cannot identify with the resurrection of Christ. So if I can identify what went on on Friday, his death, then I can't participate in the resurrection life that goes on on Sunday. And that's unfortunate. So many people want to skip over the death and jump right to the life. And you can't experience the life until you experience the death. And that death, like I said, there's so many things in us that need to die. Too many people want to escape hell without dying to self. They want to try to establish their own righteousness. And that's dangerous. Self will endure a lot of hardships as long as it can continue to rule. In Luke 14, 26, it says, If any man come to me and hate his, his father and hate not his father, and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And I don't think he literally means to hate them, but they can't, nothing can come before him. Your mother, and that's so many, that's so dear to many sons. I know, I love my mom, she's a great mother, but she cannot come before Christ in my life. My wife, I love my wife, she's a wonderful wife, she's a beautiful wife. But she cannot come before Christ in my life. I love my friends, and they're good friends, but they cannot come before Christ in my life. And neither can any of these other things that kind of bring us down. Uh, just like in the, uh, the skit that was done, uh, she got drawn away by so many other things, and some of them may seem like good intentions. I, we all need to work, and we need money, and it was like my wife said, he needs to throw some of that money out here, <laughs> which is so true. Um, and we all need those things, but they cannot come before Christ in my life. I cannot have, I cannot go after the material if I don't seek God first. And he says, seek him first, the kingdom of God, and all these other things, all the things that you want, he will add unto you if you seek him first. Uh, what is the benefit of death? So many, so many people identify death as such a sad and somber thing. And it can be at times. I just lost my grandmother a few weeks ago. She was 94. Uh, never been sick in her life. She's a wonderful woman. But she had a full life. 94, I pray that I live that long and do the things that she's done in her lifetime. 
Um, she was 94, and I, I would greatly miss her. My children uh, will miss her as well. And my son, when I told him that she had passed, and I tried to get them to remember because they have several grandmothers, and this is a great-grandmother. Uh, you know who your great-grandmother is? And he said, yeah, she's the one that cooked a big breakfast. That's the one. <laughs> I remember last fall we went to go visit her, and she cooked a spread that I had never seen before. Anytime breakfast includes chicken and rice, you're cooking a whole lot. <laughs> you're cooking a whole lot when your breakfast includes chicken, rice, five different meats. It was just... And, and, and at 94, she, at 93, 94, she was doing this, and uh, she didn't want any help, and she cleaned the kitchen up as well. She, she's just, that's, that's the kind of woman she was. And so uh, he knew who she was, and we would greatly miss her. But sometimes death conjures up sad memories, you know. It's, it's a somber thing, and, and we feel sorry for that loss. But there is a benefit to death. Um, let's look at John 12, 24. I think you guys are getting the, my, okay, yeah, good. Sometimes I use NIV, sometimes I go, uh, <laughs> I, I skip around, but whatever works for me. Um, John 12, 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Death brings about fruit. You can hold a seed in your hand all day long, an apple seed, for example, you will not get an apple seed. You will not get an apple out of that seed if you're holding it in your hand. You have to literally put that thing in the ground, dig up the earth, put it in the ground, and it has to die. And it has to bring forth, you have to water it, and it brings forth life in its death. And that's what John 12, 24 is saying. Except you yourselves die, you can't bear, you can't bear the fruit that he wants you to bear. And that fruit is love and joy and peace and all the things that are opposite from what I mentioned before, um, that we need to die, those, the, our selfish ways and our self-defeating attitude. Those are the things we need to die. But the things he wants to bring forth life in us, love, joy, peace, the fruit of the Spirit, those things we need to live in our lives to have true life. We need to have peace. You can't buy peace. God knows there, there are people who are wealthy who wish they had peace in their lives. There are people who lost millions in this uh, economic downfall, and they don't have peace now. And I didn't have money invested in it, so I I have much peace. Um, (laughs) But there are people who are unstable, who are worried. And it it does affect us because sometimes we're worried about our jobs, if there are going to be cut downs and cutbacks, and people are going to be laid off. And, you know, no matter what position you're in at this point, you can be the lowest man and the highest guy in the company. They're cutting back, and we're fearful, and sometimes that get a hold of us. But I'm not in this, I'm, this, this is not, uh, I'm just a visitor here anyway. And whatever happens, God is going to take care of me, because this is not my life. It's his to live. Um, so we need to bear much fruit. Um, life, the reality is that we're going to experience genuine and authentic life. If we are going to experience genuine and authentic life, there are some things that simply have to die in our lives, and we won't be able to get around it, unfortunately. You may try to, you may want to, but in order to experience genuine and authentic life, there are some things in your life that were in my life that will have to die. And so you may ask yourselves, uh, well, nothing can bear fruit except 
acceptable to God except a grain of wheat that has died. Out of that dead kernel will come a great crop. We are known by our fruit. Unless we have died to self, you don't have anything. You don't have anything. You can play at righteousness, you can play religion, you can play church. Unless you die, you have missed the mark. You will miss the mark. So we have to die. So inevitably, we must think about how can I die? So we talk about the need. We talked about death. We talked about life. We talked about the need for death in our lives. And we talked about the things that need to die in our lives. So you may ask, well, how can I die? You know, I don't have a sword to stab uh, addictions. <laughs> I don't have a gun to shoot uh, some of those relationships. Uh, well, you can. I, I won't go there. <laughs> I won't give you any ideas. Um, but there is no, nothing that I have physically that can destroy uh, a self-centered attitude. There's nothing I have physically that uh, brings my desires in con- control for materialism or obsessiveness or being controlling. And those are things that I mentioned before. Those are things that you definitely, that we see in the world all the time, but we also see them in the church. Those same attitudes can bring, can rear their head in the church, being controlling, uh, being obsessive and, and being hungry for power. Those are things that definitely don't, we, we need to die and in, in, uh, in, die to in the world, but we definitely don't want to bring those things in the church. Uh, so we, you may ask yourselves, what do I need to die to kill those things? What am I going to use? What tools am I going to use to kill those things in my life that keep coming up that are separating me from living true life? What am I going to do? Some of you know what to do. Some of you don't know. And some of you know what to do and don't do it, <laughs> which is worse, not knowing or knowing and, and not doing. I, I won't answer that because I'm... I'm the latter, <laughs> knowing and not doing at times. Uh, let's look at Luke 9, 23, And he said to them, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall save it. In Christian experience, uh, for a Christian to experience true victory uh, does not come by trying. It comes by dying. And out of that death will come fruit. So he says we must take up our cross daily. We must carry death with us daily. The cross that Christ died on. And that's hard to imagine. You know, I'm thinking about Christ and him dying and thinking about how can I take on that daily. But I, that uh, brings about a submission in your life uh, that reminds you of what he did on a daily basis for you. And that brings about a certain humility in your daily walk. Um, you cannot think about the cross without having and thinking about carrying that thing daily without some humility and, and taking a moment to think, wow, that that was a powerful moment that Christ did that for me. And so now... I must take up my cross daily and die. Uh, think about the prodigal son. Uh, when he came to uh, saving faith, we were permanently changed. The prodigal son came to the end of himself in the pig pen. Right there, he surrendered and crucified his will and, and said, you know what? My father has better for me 
than what I'm getting now. And he, and he surrendered his own will and said, I need to go back into my father's house because I can, there's so much more. And so, so many times we must crucify our own will. We must say, you know what, you know, what I'm doing is not what God would have me to do. And there's so much greater in what God would have me to do. And I must put this down. And sometimes it takes us coming in, looking at the slop in the pig pen and saying, you know what, I can do better than this. And I think even in the play, she, at, at the point where she was throwing up and cutting herself and was giving that gun, uh, and, and I think she said, you know what, and she threw that down and she said, you know what, I can do better than this. This is not the life that I thought or expected to live, and I now need to go back to what I know is right. And knowing God is a way to kill uh, or to crucify or to put to death those things in our lives. Um, Let's look at Philippians 2, 5 through 8. So knowing God, taking up our cross, knowing God. And in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And so for us to kill those things in our lives, we must get a new mind. Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, we have to get the mind of Christ because we can't do this on our own. We can't do this with our current, with our current mindset or we will die a physical death and a spiritual death. Going out here. All right. It also requires, Alex said I might have trouble with this. I think he messed me up, but, um, <laughs> uh, it also requires that you have a daily relationship. Um, it talks about taking up the cross daily and follow me. We can count on God to supply us with many opportunities to take up our cross. If we want, if we are w- what we need to be, we will welcome these experiences and opportunities. Every unpleasant experience may be God's way of helping you become more like Jesus. And that's hard to uh, swallow sometimes because <laughs> uh, every unpleasant experience is like, God, you know, I don't want to deal with some of these things and, um, but you know, it's for your growth. It's, it is maturing me and it is making me stronger. Uh, I think about work when I thought about this. I, I love what I do. I do. Uh, I have a, a very demanding supervisor. I'll just say that. And uh, I'm taking her position. She's leaving town in June, and I pray that June gets here real soon. <laughs> that I hang on until June when she leaves, and then I'll be able to assume her position. Um, she's a very nice woman, but uh, it can be very difficult. She's very demanding at times. And so I, I have to go in with the mindset that, the Lord, you're teaching me to die in these experiences. You're teaching me to be more efficient. You're teaching me to do my job uh, better, but you're also giving me opportunities to die uh, to myself and my will and my desires and holding my tongue and not wanting to say certain things that, you know, is like, just so wrong, but you know what, that's not my place to say, and I'm going to be quiet, and teaching me humility, and all those things, and, and, and looking at it that way, and that's hard to do at times when you have a taskmaster um, that is, you know, sometimes bossy and rude, but uh, 
you know, the Lord has given me that, that job and I appreciate it. And I was like, Lord, you know what? I'm going to stay here <laughs> until you see otherwise. But uh, it is definitely a blessing. And those, we have to look at those things as opportunities for me to die, something in me to die, when you want to rise up and say something. And I'm a talker at times, if you hadn't noticed. Um, <laughs> and uh, sometimes I like to, uh, Jason and Chad chides me uh, because I like to speak my mind at times. I, and they say, you just say what you want to say all the time. It's like, no, I don't say what I want to say because there's a lot going on in here that I don't say. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, um, and then they tried me and I was like, man, it's actually the experience. I went home for, um, for my grandmother's funeral and I talked to my sister and she's not saved. I'm work, we're working on her. She's my younger sister. And she was saying things and I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe you said that to her. And then it brought to my memory that they said that about me. And so I was like, Oh, they don't want to meet you, Charity, because you, you'll tell them anything. You just, you just say what's on your mind all the time. And I said, Well, I guess I'm not as bad as she is. But, <laughs> I still need to work on myself. That is something that I need to work on, definitely. Because um, sometimes you think it's your right to speak your mind, and it's not your right. If, if this life is not yours, it's God, and it belongs to God, then it's not your right to speak your mind. I can remember my pastor in Raleigh would say, uh, people would say, I want to give somebody a piece of my mind. And say, so you, you may need that later on, so you might need to keep that piece. <laughs> you might need to keep that piece of your mind with you. <laughs> So don't be giving out pieces of your mind because you might need it <laughs> later on. Because uh, you definitely, uh, again, those are areas in our lives that need to die. Uh, when you have that moment where I just want to give them a piece of my mind. No, you don't need to give them a piece of your mind. You need to be quiet. Uh, sometimes I have an inner monologue. I'm crazy, I know. Um, but there was a, a different world episode with Diane Carroll. Uh, when I think Whitley was going to marry the other guy, <laughs> my wife is laughing like, why are you bringing this up? Um, but then sometimes I hear Diane Carroll when she says, uh, when Whitley, is, her daughter, is marrying this guy she didn't want to marry, and she just says, just die already, just die. And so sometimes when those moments come up, that inner monologue says, just die already, just die. And I was like, okay, yeah, I need to die. All right, all right, let it go. All right, I'm going to die. That's me. That's okay. <laughs> it went over your head. I know. It's a different world. It's a different world. This uh, show from the 80s, 90s. But anyway, as I digress, also we need to equip ourselves with the word. Hebrews 4.12 says, let you get there. Hebrews 4.12 says, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So we actually do have something that can stab materialism, that can stab depression, that can stab a self-centered ways. The word of God that goes is sharper than any two-edged swords that can get right to God knows where, right where to get, you know, just why, that's why I'm, I know I'm supposed to be where I'm in because he is doing surgery on me. And surgery and cutting is not always good. It doesn't feel good when someone cuts you right there, when the word just gets you right where he needs to get. And that doesn't feel good, but that's a part of you that needs to die. And if that doesn't die, 
you will regret it later. The children of Israel, so many times they were disobedient to the word of God when God would say, you know, utterly destroy this city and utterly destroy everything that was in it. But sometimes they would want to keep a few things and they didn't destroy this and they didn't destroy that. And those things came back up to rear its ugly head against them in the end and it will bite them. And so you want to utterly destroy and you want the Lord to do that surgery in you. And you want him to put to death those things that need to be put to death in your life so that you can experience true and authentic living. So the word of God is very needed in our lives um, if we're going to put those things to death. Uh, Romans 6, 2 says, How shall we that are dead in sin live any longer therein, knowing this, that the old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, and henceforth we should not serve sin. And so, put those things to death. Put those, put that sin to death. Put that attitude. Put that mindset. Put that power and control of attitude and uh, mindset to death. Um, just like in the skit, I think she she came to a realization that whatever she was thinking was not working for her life. And sometimes we have to unfortunately come to that realization some some quicker than others some people have to go through more things than others some people have to experience more things than others unfortunately uh, but you have to put that mindset to death so that you can experience life and so many people would have thought you know young people in particular uh, would think that you know money and you know that fast lifestyle is is fun and it's enticing and you know, living on the edge, it gives you a high, and, it, you know, it's a great experience. Um, but that is not life. Any life outside of God is not life at all. Um, in closing, Colossians 3 and 3 says that, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ and God. And that just kind of is self-explanatory. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And I don't know about you, if my life is hid in Christ, I need to find Christ so I can get my life. Um, Because my life is hid in him, and he is all I need in my life. And and nothing comes before that. There's a song that I kind of saw, uh, I think it's by Chris Tomlin and Matt Redman. It talks about the wondrous cross. And one of the lines, and I wrote it all down, I wrote, uh, came across it this morning. It talks about, oh, the wonderful cross, bid me come and die and find the way, find that I may live truly. Oh, the wondrous cross, bids me to come and die and find that I may truly live. And that's so true. The cross bids you to come and die. We can celebrate the resurrection only when we experience the death. And that cross is bidding us to come and die so that you may truly experience life. Amen. Um, I just want to pray with you. And want to invite you, if you don't 
know true living, and you, you're wanting to know how can I be a part of this life? How can I get the life that you're talking about? How can I bear the fruit that you're talking about? I want peace in my life. I want joy. You know, I want those things. But there's a separation. And I know that separation is sin in my life. And I'm separated by so many other things that are going on in my life. My friends are more important than you, God. And my family is more important. And my work is more important than me. Uh, going to work and, and working 80 hours a week is more important than than you and your word. Um, and you don't really know God at all. And you want to experience that life. And you want to know what living is all about. Um, living is not wasting away. But living is being with God and knowing him. Uh, so if you want to know that, um, just raise your hand. If you want to, you want to experience true life. If you want God to... Um, the Holy Spirit to enter into your heart and, and to revive you and make you new again. Um, just raise your hand. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this word. We thank you for um, life on today. But we also thank you for death. We thank you for what you did on the cross. We thank you for your righteousness and your peace and Uh, We pray that we identify with your death, Lord God. That we put to death the things that need to be put to death in our life. And only you know, Lord God. You know what needs to be put to death in our lives. You know the attitude that we may have. You know the selfish ways that we may have. You know uh, our faults and our sins and our hang-ups and our, our mindsets that need to be put to death, Lord God. We pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would just begin to use your word and and go right there where um, those things need to die. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And we pray that you just begin to put to death, begin to kill those things in our lives that are not like you and are not pleasing to you so that we may begin to experience true life and authentic life in you when it gives you glory and when it gives you praise. And we can only experience that if we put to those things to death in our lives. Lord, we just thank you for this word. We thank you for meeting us here. We thank you for the praise and worship. We thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. Lord, we pray for those who who know they need you, but for whatever reason didn't want to come forward on today. We pray that your word would just uh, pierce their hearts. Your Holy Spirit would just hover around them. Allow them not to rest until they know you. Allow them to be disturbed until they they seek your word and um, let them come to the knowledge of you, Lord God, and and what life you can bring them. Allow them to see that the life they're living is not the life that you can give them. We pray for us, Lord God, who who are saved and, you know, who experience life sometimes and sometimes we kind of throw things in our own way sometimes. Our own attitudes and our own selfish ways get in the way of us truly experiencing life as you would have us Lord God, we pray that, again, you put to death those things and that we, as the children of God, begin to experience true life in you and that other people will see that life and that joy and that peace and that love and they will want that for themselves. They will be hungry for that. So we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.